This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 152 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Madeline Pickens Mustang Monument. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Today's show is sponsored by Equestrian Collections. For the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. Plus Uncle Jimmy's, who has all the horse treats for your horses and more. And you can find that at uncle-jimmies.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. Bring you the news through hell, hot water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop cause it's time again for stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B., and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, I think the first thing we should do today, Helena, is welcome any of the Tack and Habit listeners who are coming here to listen for the first time. Go Tack and Habit, go Tack and Habit, you're gonna love Stable Scoop. (laughs) And that, people, is the extent of my entertaining abilities. (laughs) Were you having martinis for lunch? I should, I should have. I have like... Six gallons of margarita mix because I keep saying I want to have margaritas and I forget that I buy margarita mix and tequila. And so then I go down to the store and I buy more. And so I have three like gallons of tequila <laughs> and green goo for margarita mix. I should have one. You know, we, we always get the mixes and forget to buy, buy the alcohol that goes with it. So, yeah, that's yeah, a problem. Yeah. That's a so problem. we've had a lot of strawberry daiquiris that are virgin here uh, lately. Oh. Yeah, but which are really good, by the way. They're more like that's- just smoothies. Yeah, but you don't, you know, you don't want to be drinking any alcohol when you're sitting on your ball. That's true. Yes. No, when I do sit on a ball to record an exercise ball, and that would probably be bad. Right. I've only ever fallen off. All the shows we've done over three years, I've fallen off once. So. I just had this image of you falling off I the did. ball. I fell right off the back of the ball. I went to tie my shoe during off the, the back? morning show one morning. I went to tie my – I sort of fell off the side. I, I oh, went okay. to tie my shoe. I forgot I was on the ball, and I fell right off during the show. Um, so – why would you tie your shoe during the show? I noticed it was untied, and I went, well, i got to tie my shoe. And I, you really do have ADHD yeah, or whatever that yeah, is. I, I mean, well, you're Jamie sitting on a ball and... talking into a microphone. Why would you need to tie your shoe? <laughs> well, it was there. It was untied. And you know how when you have an untied shoe, you obsess over it? Well, because it screams at you, I'm yes. untied. Yes, exactly. Now. You're going to trip mm. over it even though you're not walking. Yeah. So I, I, I went to tie it, and I fell off my ball. And <laughs> fortunately, I didn't hit my head on the desk. That would be me. I would fall off the ball and hit my head on something, and then blood would gush, and then my eyes would swell up. (laughs) See, Tack and Habit people, this show is not any more serious than Tack and Habit ever was. We we are discontinuing the Tack and Habit show, and uh, what we're doing is we're going to have a Tack and Habit segment starting next week on the Stable Scoop radio show every week. So we're just going to be reviewing a product like we did over on Tack and Habit here on Stable Scoop at the end of every show. 
So that's what's happening. That's why we said welcome to the Tack and Habit fans and listeners. We thought, well, you know what? Helena and I do this show over here at Stable Scoop. It has a much bigger audience anyway. And we know you guys like to hear about Tack and, and new things coming to the market. So we just thought, well, let's share the love. And we'll do that on the Stable Scoop show. So that's, that's what the story is there. But today we have a couple of very special things going on. We do. We have a couple of very special things. And talking about ADD, I just zoned out for a minute. I was like, oh, it's so hot here. But see, I'm wearing flip-flops. I don't have any shoelace to distract me. Um, We do. We have a couple of really wonderful things. We have a couple of announcements about some new shows that are coming out. Um, We are going to be talking about the driving radio show. The Equestrian Legends radio show, which is going to be hosted by our very own Chris Stafford. And today's big deal, which is an interview that Jamie Jennings and I did with the wonderful Madeline Pickens, who is, gosh, probably the most inspiring horsewoman in in the world today. Would you agree, Glenn? I would agree. Yes, she's done. You know, Madeline obviously is a billionaireess. She is the wife of a billionaire, Boone Pickens, who made his money in the oil fields of Texas. And, you know, she really could sit on her laurels and do nothing in her life. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm not too sure if I was in her situation, I wouldn't be sitting at my laurels doing nothing. But she has chosen to actually make a difference in the world in a big way. She has. And, uh, you know, Jamie and I got together because this is a special interview. It's part of the Women of Hope series. Um, and it's actually going to air in two parts on Horses in the Morning as well as here today on Stable Scoop. Uh, hope is, is sort of it's a loose translation of heartfelt, overcoming, passionate, and inspiring. Now, these are four words that totally sum up Madeline Pickens and her efforts, in particular, to change the way Americans treat one of our m- most beloved national symbols, the Mustang. You know, now Madeline Pickens may be—I uh, would say she's privileged now, but she's no stranger to challenges. Um, she's a role model for horse girls and women everywhere. And she's the epitome of the, of, I don't want to say the successful business, a businesswoman. She's a hard worker. She's a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a thoroughbred racehorse owner, an animal welfare activist, philanthropist, and she's also an author. But above all, she's an American woman who has heart, compassion to overcome um, obstacles, and she's inspiring. So, you know, I, I want you to take a listen to... Uh, the conversation that Jamie and I had with her, Jamie and I are, are really, I mean, this woman made our work very easy. We asked just a few questions, and she had plenty to say. She's very interesting to listen to. Um, what she has to say is relevant. And, uh, for example, Madeline and her husband, Boone, as Glenn was saying, um, they led the fight to close the last slaughterhouse in the United States, equine slaughterhouse in the United States. And um, much of their work resulted in the passage of the American Horse Slaughter Prevention Act by the U.S. House of Representatives. They also helped uh, the victims of Hurricane Katrina back in August of 2005. The Pickens donated $7 million to the Red Cross to help the people of New Orleans, which is just and really you know, I can't wonderful. tell you how much that was, must have been appreciated because I am a Red Cross volunteer. I was in actually Pennsylvania, I think, during that time working with the Red Cross there. And we sent so many people, and the Red Cross spent so much money. Yeah, on that particular disaster, and you know, it was people like like we were begging for money at that point. You know, the coffers were running low because we had had so many hurricanes that year. If you remember right, yes, that I do. wasn't the yep. only hurricane that year. That was one of many hurricanes that year, and it's people like the Pickens who really helped keep the Red Cross going at that point. 
Well, I think that sort of um, got the wheels rolling, too, because, you know, just a few years later in 2008, when the Bureau of Land Management announced that the U.S. government was considering euthanasia and uh, selling the 30,000 wild Mustangs that we had to slaughterhouses overseas, Madeline decided that she was going to develop a sanctuary for these horses. And guess what? She did exactly that. She bought one million acres and donated it to the Mustangs. Or as no, no, donated it. She bought the one million acres and and created a sanctuary. And that is called Mustang Monument. So all of these Mustangs can come and live on her property in safety. And, uh, you know, that's a big deal, people. I, okay, granted, you and I don't have the money to buy <laughs> one million acres. But what she's done has inspired me, and I know it's going to inspire you, to do what you can do. How she many, could How many buy. acres do you have, Helena, at your little farm? I have, um, well, altogether we have six. Okay, let me divide that out. That's 166,000 of your farms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, you, but so she's like, she's sort of the thing you look up to. This is what she could do, and that's what she did do. So after you hear this interview, I want everybody to sit down and think about what you can do and then do it. Because Madeline Pickens will, will inspire you to do exactly that. We're going to get to Madeline right after I talk to you a little bit about equestrian collections. You know, if you need anything for riding this summer, whether it's show clothes or just uh, hacking clothes or whether it's boots or, or clothing for your husband or your horse or your children, no matter what you need, you're going to find over 300 different brands at equestriancollections.com. And one, of, one of the fun things we were, you know, one of the things that Helena and I get to do often together is go to the wholesale shows where we get to see all of the new stuff coming to the market. And one of the people we see there is Chris, who runs Equestrian Collections. We always get to spend time with her and her husband, and it's always a lot of fun. Well, they have a new coupon code now for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network. And when you go to check out, if you're buying more than $120 worth of stuff at Equestrian Collections, you're going to get $10 off just by using the coupon code, just right in the coupon code area, HRN, for Horse Radio Network, just HRN, and you'll get $10 off your next order of $120 or more at Equestrian Collections. And that even includes their sales section. Their sales section's huge. And they That's have awesome. A, they, have, they have up to 70% off in their sales section, and they have a bunch of stuff in there right now. So go to equestriancollections.com for all of your horsey needs uh, this summer. And we, we'll, and we would appreciate you supporting the sponsors that support us. That's equestriancollections.com. And now, Jamie Jennings, Helena B., and Madeline Pickens. How would you describe yourself to our listeners? Well, first of all, I immigrated to America. So um, I feel... Uh, very fortunate to have been able to come here. Um, I always dreamed of coming here, even as a child. So America is is what I dreamed of. It's where I ended up. Um, I had such expectations, and I've been very lucky. You know, I've achieved my goals here in America. But, you know, as you start to achieve goals, you start to find out about other things that are going on, and you start to um, think about maybe adding some other goals. And it was apparent to me that this country needs help uh, as, as far as its kindness to animals. And so that has been my passion. And, um, you know, I, I, if it's something related to an animal, I'm always there. Yes, you are. I, 
I believe that your uh, your dachshund is sitting in your lap right now. Your your rescue dog, little Tommy. I um, made a mistake. I was surfing online one night, and my Jack Russell was, uh, you know, seventeen and a half years old, and he's been more than a friend. I, I just cannot tell you how how I loved that dog, and I was thinking I'm never going to be able to do the right thing with him and put him down when it's time. So I thought I'd better start to look for another companion. And also, you know, when you have an old dog and they start to get blind, uh, the, I knew that whatever I adopted would become his eyes. And that's exactly what happened. So he became dependent on my dachshund. And it was very, very sweet because until that time, my Jack Russell was a pretty aggressive dog. So it was sweet. He mellowed and uh, Tommy was his security blanket. Um, so I was just, uh, you know, um, surfing online and uh, doing all the Jack Russells. And at one point I had standard poodles and they were incredible dogs. They're so smart and they don't shed. So I went through them and then I said, you know, I'm just going to look at dachshunds because I always thought they were cute. And I always go to places like Missouri or Tennessee, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, where they have really bad issues with, with animals, and they have all those puppy mills up there in Missouri. And so I went down to Tennessee, and I looked at these videos, and there he popped up. So, <laughs> I, it's a dangerous thing to go surfing on the Internet, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what? I slammed it off, and a week later, I peeked again, and there he was. He was still there, and I said, well, that's the message. So I went ahead with all the documents and they came and visited my home and, you know, he came to me and he's, he's been a delight, an absolute delight. But they were cruel. He was from a puppy mill. He was starved to death. He was discarded in, in a dumpster. And, and now he really does have a happy home. So he's, he's had a happy ending. Well, I think he's probably about the luckiest pup in the world <laughs> to be able to come and live with you. Now, well, what you're doing here that really inspired me, um, obviously, you know, you've saved a lot of horses. You work with old friends, equine, uh, and you now have kind of directed your attention to something that I feel is very important and really didn't have a ton of uh experience with them until I moved out here to Arizona and so many people own them is the Mustang. And you, you know, you've now created Mustang Monument, which we'll get into, but uh, why the Mustangs and what makes them so special to you? The reason I got involved with the Mustangs was I, um, you know, used to see all these old great cowboy and Indian movies with my father when I was a little girl and um, he loved them and of course I fell in love with the western life and that was the beginning of why I wanted to come to America. When I got here I didn't see any of the west. Um, you know you'd go to Disneyland etc etc. Oh how cute. Sorry about that. <laughs> I told you that would happen. And and you know I I so I forgot about it. And then with Katrina, when I did the airlift out of there, I, um, I, I couldn't believe it when somebody came up to me and said, you know, could you help me with horse slaughter? I didn't know what they were talking about. So I got into it. Then I started to see video of uh, the wild horses being gathered and those ending up in slaughter. And I was, I was sick to my stomach. Mm. So I knew then that was my calling and I must do it. And uh, right now, you know, we have over 500 horses at Mustang Monument that have been rescued 
they're the Paiute Nation horses that were headed to slaughter. And so we bought them off the killer buyers, and they are now safely, happily at Mustang Monument. But can you imagine why anybody would want to slaughter mares in foal no. with a foal by their side? I mean, no. what to eat on a foal? You know, so the whole thing is is uncivilized and crazy. It's just crazy stuff. So anyway, they're there happily. Now, the other thing that I'm trying to get done, and we're trying to work this out right now, is at the Sheldon um, uh, Refuge, is they have these um, other horses that they keep gathering, and they are not protected by the Bureau of Land Management. Tommy! Sorry, <laughs> you are officially part of the Horse Radio Network family. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. We have this feeling that, you know, just because I say a civilized word, quiet. That that's <laughs> yeah. but anyway, getting back to the horses. So um, I really do want to help out with that herd of horses, the Kaiga horses, because, you know, if you call it a, a sanctuary for wildlife and animals, uh, for some reason, they don't want to deal with the numbers. And so I'm trying to work something out. You know, I I really could solve their problem for them, just take them all and uh, do something with them. You know, they'd be safe with me. And uh, again, the public will still be able to view them. So we're trying to work something out now. I'm probably a little bit ahead of the game talking about it, but... Um, you know, if you don't, then people don't know that you're trying to do the right thing. And it also helps them out, you know, fish and wildlife and game and all of that. They, they, they know now they have a friend that they can count on with these horses other than people picking them up. And, God, I get such bad emails about this, where they think they're going or where they're ending up. So I'm concerned about it. And the easiest thing for me to do is just say, hey, we will find a way. So bring them over to me. And we'll take care of them. And we'll figure, we'll it, figure out. it out later. Yeah. Now, what well, do you have? What do you find to be the most challenging at this point? I mean, you've you've overcome some pretty big obstacles, especially with the uh, United States Congress. What's the next big challenge for you that you say, okay, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, and here's where I really need to to dig down deep into Madeline's heart and soul. Oh, I I'm not so sure that it's uh, one thing um you know I, I just will never end my journey trying to help save horses i mean you, you just think about that leona helmsley when she uh, died in her will she w- left what eight billion dollars to animals and apparently they got that change they said well she didn't mean to do that and she encompassed something else and from what i understand and uh, heard was that the first year when they divided up some money to give away, they gave away $41 million from her estate and $40 million went to the New York City Hospital and $1 million was split up between 10 different animal charities. That's what I heard. And to me that's sad because if she was alive they would never dare do that. So, you know, there's always good intention and there's always people that think, well, I don't think that's probably what she meant. We need to change that around a little bit. So, you know, for me, I try to do everything while I'm alive because I don't think you can count on what happens to your estate after you're gone. And uh, I've seen it happen with so many people that I'm pretty um, confident that that doesn't always go the way they planned. So I still have to work with the government and probably with the Congress. Um, 
the difficulty with government is it's it's not necessarily me. I think if I was a bank, they'd bail us out really fast. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they had Sadly, a crisis, yes, yeah, they they came up with billions and trillions, and because we want to resolve the wild horse issue, uh, that's monumental to them. And that cannot be resolved fast. I've been working on this issue for three years, and it's something that we could have done, you know, in a, in, a, in a few months if if they had wanted to. And then I say, well, even if they want to, they have to jump through hoops. When President Obama got involved in banking, they, they did it. Well, I sure wish he'd get involved with us with the wild horses and just let us take care of it. Let the private sector take care of it. You know, they're always talking about the private sector coming in and helping and taxing us and doing this and doing that. You know, we can do a lot more if you just help us and allow us to um, do the things that need to be taken care of as, as advocates. I mean, you know, they're doing a, a very expensive job right now uh, in, in the program that they have the wild horses right now. And I'm not blaming the BLM. I'm just saying it's, that's the system and the system doesn't work. And they want to change it. But, it, it, you know, hey, uh, can they? Well, it takes a year to do this and three years to do that. And maybe it'll take another three years for the RFP, for the public lands. And, you know, if President Obama would just jump in and say, you know what, fix it. We don't have the money to give you anymore for that program. Let's just fix it. We can. We can. <laughs> we know how to do business. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a lot of good friends at the BLM that I have a lot of respect for. So uh, hopefully they will make the right decision. And there's lots of people that have been working on this issue for a long time. I, I certainly have already spent million, millions of dollars on this. And I don't want to waste anymore. Whatever dollar I spend, I want to go directly to an animal that I'm, I'm saving. Amen, sister. I totally appreciate that. I mean, uh, when you talked about Mustang Monument, I mean, you said you're announcing it, but it is on your website. And what uh, what I loved about it is that you want to have a million acres and the public can can go and they can be a part of the West and be a part of the Mustang life. And so kind of give everybody a little bit of a picture of what you have in mind for that. And then... Uh, yeah, just let us paint a picture for us, if you will. Oh, great. Simply, I purchased two ranches. One had 14,500 deeded acres, and that was called the spruce. And that has over 530,000 acres of public lands that I bought the allotments for. And then I purchased adjacent to that the Warm Creek Ranch so that I have access to the highway and power. And that had 4,500 acres of deeded land and another 20,000 public uh, lands for which we bought the uh, grazing rights to. Um, and so together we're, you know, we're around five, 560,000 acres. What I've asked the government to consider is opening up the public lands from cattle grazing to horse grazing. This way, we can take a lot of horses, and because we're no longer running it as a, as a cow-calf operation, we can um, do a lot more to take care of the horses. There were, when I took it over, there were a lot of um, 
wells and springs that really weren't working so well. Now we're motivated to do it. The people before with cows were not motivated to do it. I'm motivated. I want to create this eco-sanctuary where you can all come with your families and your pets and visit. And uh, we can have, uh, I've already purchased like teepees that are 800 and 50 square feet where boys can come in and camp out overnight and we'll have educators to tell them stories not just uh, learn about the earth but also learn about the stars if you're having a, uh, a barbecue outside at night look at the story around you that you have to tell not only in the skies but let's also talk about our tribal history that kids do not learn very much about in school and I'm fascinated with our tribal uh, history, and I know my daughter is. And I remember doing homework with her, and we did Lewis and Clark, and then we and Sagajawea, and then we turned the page, and it was back to something else. You know, America did not begin when the Pilgrims arrived. I mean, the, America existed before. There's a lot of de- denial about it, but I mean, you know, it's a beautiful history, and we need to all be friends, and we need to make it work. And, uh, you know, we want to teach the children how to grow food on the land, uh, you know, photographic classes, art classes, so that, you know, a wellness center, so that when you come, you're active. You come with your family, but you leave and you've learned something together as a group. And you've left Mm -hmm. your footprint at the sanctuary. And, you know, we already have these 500 horses from the Paiute Nation, and they're so fabulous. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see them running with their foals by their sides, and we have a creek that runs next to the house, and they all come. I mean, to suddenly see a herd of 200 horses come running in to drink water is beautiful. And then the next 200 come in, and uh, we gelded all the stallions because this was a rescue. And uh, we know there's tons more to rescue. So uh, we do the right thing. When we go into rescue work, we spay and neuter. Uh, In this case, we didn't have to, uh, you know, uh, neuter the mares. We took care of it by the uh, stallions. We just gelded them all. Boom, boom, boom. It was done, 120 of them. Wow. And and now we're safe. You know, um, if there's anything in the oven, you know, right now, if the mares are in full, we'll see them. And if, if it's a stallion, it'll be you know, neutered uh, after a few months. But uh, I feel I feel so good about it when you go, we're right now not ready to accept the public because we don't have the accommodations. You know, we need to get our business license. We need to um, work out accommodations with the uh, Elko uh, County. And, you know, that all takes time. And the biggest part about this is our rescue. We have to do that first. And uh, we've filled in our RFP with the government so that uh, if they are willing to give us horses. After all, we pioneered the program with them when Henry Bison was there, and he announced he was ready to do it. So, But there was a change in, uh, in the administration, um, and so then you have to go with a new group. They appear to be on board now, and, you know, otherwise they wouldn't have done an RFP. We could have done it without it, but... Um, mm-hmm. They, they weren't willing to do that, and, and, and that's fine. It's just cost us all a lot more money and attorneys and engineers and everything else. You know, when you deal with government, it's not cheap, and it's not easy. <laughs> well, you know, I find it amazing how you've been so successful with the government so far, but I'm going to tell you right now that if I 
could reach through this computer and give you a great big hug for what you're doing, I totally would. I, I just, I, I thank you so much for saving these Mustangs and then, you know, being responsible with the, the, the castration of all the males and just making it kind of a happier situation. And I want to tell you that the day that you open up that Mustang monument, we are going to be there because that is just what a great adventure and experience for people that never would have the opportunity to do that again. So not only are you saving them, uh, to me, education breeds interest and then interest breeds, you know, more and more people getting involved. So uh, when you're, you're bringing people there, you're educating them, you're getting them interested and it's going to be a revolution. And I, I'm incredibly proud of what you do, but I want to know um, what is your proudest moment? And everything you've done. Oh, I think when I delivered my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that, too. I really did. (laughs) I I think it is amazing. And has she followed in your footsteps as far as loving animals and being compassionate? Oh, she's so sweet. And she's got two small children. And she wrote me a lovely letter. And she said, you know, Mom, I'm so proud of what you're doing. And right now... I'm busy raising my children, but when it's time, um, I'll be there to take over. And um, you know, it was so sweet; it made me cry. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I people will say, "What was your proudest moment?" I don't know. I think we all have many uh, proud moments. You know, proud. You know, when I married my husband. Um, you know, when my daughter was born. When the horses arrived. When that first truckload of Paiutes arrived. When that first airliner took off out of uh, Baton Rouge with the dogs and cats on board. I cried. I mean, it was like Noah's Ark taking off. <laughs> and, and, and the thing that I felt was, there's going to be some people there that are sad because they don't know what happened to their dogs. They left them behind. But now they know there's airliners taking off with them, and they can dream that their dog or their cat was on there and it will go to a good home and and the, and the, and the same thing with the horses when they arrived they were they were coming from the killer buyers they were headed you know to be slaughtered and this time they were on a truck they didn't know where they were going but they arrived at the sanctuary and you know I cried it was just so beautiful just to see these animals become free and they've all gained so much weight. They, they just look so good. And it's just made me realize, you know, just keep, keep on it. It's, this is, you're doing the right thing. Because when you can sleep at night, <gasps> you know you're doing it right. I'm sorry. I was just, you, what you heard was me gasping. Because um, I'm watching, as we're, I'm listening to this, uh, to this conversation, one of the things I know that we wanted to, that you wanted to talk about was um, a message that you created to send to Oprah. And it was a video. Uh, I care about wild horses. And I've sort of had it playing in the background as we're having this conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm listening and then I'm looking up at the video. And um, on two occasions, the video has actually made me gasp out loud um, about the way these animals are treated. The way, the approach that that the helicopters and the people, um, the, the approach that they are taking is so callous and i i'm scared and that 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 approach and that perspective on these animals will be the majority i I, how do you um i mean it makes me sad i know it, it makes you sad it makes you sick and it and then that inspired you to take action 
Well, just What's... go down to any shelter and or, or <sighs> see these dogs that are tied on a chain in the backyards and people don't feed or water them. But, you know, animal cruelty is big. It's big in the world and it's big in this country. And what that footage we put out there is not the worst footage. We had to be very careful what we put there because uh, people don't want to see the terrible things. They don't want to see it. So you, I, I wish I could put it out, but I mm-hmm. can't. But, but we have much worse footage than that with the burrows being hit and uh, have their heads slammed against these metal uh, pens and things just for fun. I mean, they're just having fun. So it, it was it was shocking. It made me ill. Um, what do you do with that? I mean, it, it must make you sad and angry and energized all at the same time. I mean, when you must feel this mix of emotions. I know you do. What do you do? Do you slam your fist down and say, that's it? And then I pick and then you pick up the phone or how do you channel that those emotions into? I mean, I think that's that's a challenge for most of us who are impacted or affected by these videos and by the cruelty. How do you channel that into something positive? Well, you know, uh, I learned at an early age, I once met a therapist, God, it's got to be 42 years ago, and I said, what do you do when you get angry? And he said, God gave us anger for a reason. And he said, anger is so that you use it, but don't use it against yourself. Use it to do good. And I understood that, and I realized so many people have anger management, but they don't take that and put it... Go, go into a project and save something, you know. And what, when I first found out about horse slaughter, you know, and I saw the videos of it, I would cry and cry, and I, I was devastated, and I, I felt helpless. And then one day I just realized, you know, I'm going to pray. And I, when I pray, I've changed my praying. I, I realize what separates us from animals, and that is that God gave us a brain. And so often, you know, we go, oh, God, just help me. I want my son to win this tournament or this competition, or can we win this? And, you know, God's on both sides of the team, so he can't do that. (laughs) But what he did when he put us on earth is he gave us the brain. And he said, I've now given you all the tools to fix anything and everything. So when I pray, I go, God, thank you for everything. I said, help me. Please help me dig down deep inside and figure out a way that I can help fix this mess. Help me think of a solution. And I remember doing that when I first came up with the uh, idea for the foundation and for the uh, sanctuary. And I woke up in the morning and my head was clear. And I said, of course, that makes sense. Why don't I go to the BLM and ask them if I buy a ranch like every other rancher or cattleman and I buy the deeded lands, would they convert the public lands if I buy the allotments to those as well? And they liked the idea and they said yes. And, you know, after all, then it becomes property rights. Now I have the rights to the deeded land. And when you own the deeded land, you own the water rights to the public lands. So surely now you you can't bring people out from Washington or New York and have them stand on a half a million acres or a thousand square miles and say, hey, there's not enough room here for these horses. I mean, they would look at you sideways and say, this is corruption or this is some silly argument that's archaic. We need to change this. I mean, it's not possible that you can't put more horses out there. And so the thing is to work together as a team. 
you know, I have the idea. I now bought the land because I would talk about it when I went to Washington. I would see, um, you know, Feinstein and she'd say, okay, okay. And then finally she said, Madeline, just go and buy the land. And when you do it, we can get it done. So I bought the land and, you know, um, hopefully she's going to be on board to help us along with Senator Landrieu. And you've seen Congressman Dan Burton up there on the floor. I mean, he's not afraid. He's horrified and and ashamed that we're spending this kind of money. There's a ton of uh, congressmen and senators that really do want this fixed. After all, America's got big problems, you know, and you can't have this kind of nonsense going on when we've got major, major problems. And our problems are not over in this country. So we need to get off the stick and, and allow the private sector to fix this and then let the government get on to doing other things that are uh, that would have more impact and more importance. You know, right now, with the cattle grazing, they pay four cents a day per cow to graze on public lambs. And the government takes in, I don't know, 16 or 20 million uh, from the ranchers for, for cattle uh, income, you know, on these grazing, for these grazing rights, which is nothing because it costs them over 120 million to run the operation. So, you know, here you have an operation where the ranchers have asked the government or set the standards for how many horses are allowed there. And then they say, okay, now remove the rest. We don't want them. And so the government has to come and help the rancher out, remove the horses, and then they give it to another rancher in Kansas or, you know, uh, Texas or Oklahoma, and they pay them. So they, they keep paying all these ranchers and these cattlemen to take care of horses. And, the, and you know what? We can fix it all. Right now, the horses, there's 15,000 that are in short-term holding. They have to pay $2,500 a year per horse in short-term holding. And they pay $500 to the ones in the long-term holding. So I said, give me the horses from short-term holding at $2,500 a year cost to you. I will take about $500 and I will put them in a sanctuary where the public can see them because right now you can't see them in long-term holding because it's private land. So they are excused and there's no transparency. There's too many stories about there about what's happened to these horses, you know, they don't know. Who knows when they die? Who knows what happens? Because you can't see. And when you don't have transparency, people talk. So, you know, with or without the government, my sanctuary is moving forward. If they want to engage, save the taxpayer money, bring them to me, great. If they don't, we're not going to stop. Uh, you know, we'll take care of the horse. It'd be sad if they don't come to us. And it's sad because we said, look, you keep talking about us as a pilot program, but hurry up and do it so that we can then acquire more land and take care of 30,000 horses. But, you know, when you keep talking about a pilot program with 1,000 horses and you've got 1,000 square miles, you you start, you know, crossing your eyes and rolling your eyes and saying, come on. You know, you've been in this mess for a long time. I've been standing in front of you for a long time saying, come on in. Let's be friends and and let's make this work together. Mm Mm-hmm. Girl, I'm about to load up my trailer right now and head that way. I'm telling you. <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> so so when you've got all this going and you've made this video, you know, first of all, I want to find out how people can get involved. And then I want to know, did the did Oprah get the video? Has she seen this powerful piece that you guys made? You know, I uh, talked to Wayne Paselli at the uh, 
Humane, Humane Society. Society. Yeah, and uh, and and Wayne, I think, is is a great, great head of the Humane Society. You know, there are always stories out there, and I always say to people, you know what? He does legislation, and legislative work is the hardest thing to do, and it's very, very costly to do. So they've been wonderful in getting a lot of things enacted for us, and you know, they fought the puppy mill bill in Missouri, and they've got to go again. But but you know, that's hard work. Uh, but okay, what was the question? I I digress and I didn't mean to. Um, oh, no, no problem. I want to know, you know, first of all, how can people get involved? And then second of all, did Oprah ever see the video? Oh, okay. So she or somebody said to her from her group of people, hey, what are you guys up to? What are you doing? You know, and uh, or what is she doing to us? And uh, so Wayne said, what, you know, what's it about, Madeline? And I said, well, you know, Oprah's name is a little bit like Coca-Cola. If you use Oprah's name, you know, it's America. And I don't know her personally. And um, we've seen all the wonderful work she has done with uh, different groups. And I didn't know how to reach her. So I said, look, the public knows Oprah. Let's just say, Oprah, can you help us? And one day if she decides to help us, great. If she doesn't, you know, our first go around, we had over 15,000 hits. And then there was a mess up with the music and one obscure group that we didn't have a release from because I don't think we knew how to get it uh, complained. So we had to redo it and just take the music off somewhere and put it up again. And it lost momentum when, when you do that. But it was a very successful video. If she wants to help us, you know, I'd be delighted. But if not, 15,000 people or 20,000 have seen it now. And um, I can't expect her to help everybody and everything. But this is a big thing to Americans. And it is mm-hmm. our American horse. Gosh, without it, you, you know, I mean, they joined the Missouri and the Columbia River. That, that would, they, they were our ships. You know, they did everything for us. And, you know, society has a way of letting go of things that helped them in the past. I mean, to build a bronze monument and then just say, okay, that's it. Now we don't have to worry about it being knocked down by the wind or anything. You know, well, these horses still live. You know, we've still got their offspring. They're still around to help us. And uh, you can't ignore them. They have to be fed. They have to be watered. But more than that, they're a treasure. And our children want to see them. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, and and I think that, first of all, what we're going to do is, whether my boss likes it or not, we're going to post this video on our website and also on our Facebook page and, and make sure that people, if they want to, they have the chance to view it because I think it's inspiring and it's powerful and it will make you angry. And like you said, anger will channel into something good. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that. And seeing this video made me have to talk to you about it. Um, it does, the other you know, thing, it, me too, Jamie. It, it moved me to do something about it. It's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, and I even posted it on, just posted it on my Facebook page and said, just watch it from beginning to end. It's, it's not totally gruesome, but it is important. And then, you know, the plea is to watch it and then decide what you're going to do about it because it's not just about horses. It's about who we want to be as human beings. And how we want to treat not just the animals that we share this world with, but each other. And I think that, Madeline, is going to be the beginning of solving the problems that do plague our country. Those big, big problems that, you know, we put, because those problems stem from this. It's who we are as people, who we are as the human beings with the brains. We need to do a better job of using those brains and, and being compassionate. Yes, you're right. And, you know, 
what I found is that it's grassroots that works. So if everybody that listens to you Facebooks all their friends and says, go to Saving America's Mustangs or be a fan of Saving America's Mustangs or, you know, and, and they, if everybody took their mailing list and blasted it and said, I like this, why don't you sign up or you go to a, a website and it says be a supporter, then we send you information all the time. When there's a gather, we ask you to join in and, and support us and say, we don't support this gather. You need to stop. Or we send a letter to Bob Abbey or we send one to Salazar or, or you know, and we send nice, polite letters. But it's when they see that the public really, really is engaged in this. And, and you know, whereas before, several years ago, not too many people knew about it. Now, you know, everybody's getting involved and it's becoming an embarrassment for the government. Yeah, so yeah. everybody, savingamericasmustangs.org, go to our website, Facebook it, and sign up with us, please, and tell your friends. It's spreading the word. It's, it's, I can't tell you, we're so lucky that we have Facebook. We're so lucky that, that we have the Internet because that lets the truth out. Yeah. It really does. So the website, again, is savingamericasmustangs.org. You can also find uh, Madeline on Facebook. Uh, just search for Mustang Monument. That is her uh, her Facebook page as well. Madeline, you know, y- your call to action has been heard, and I really hope that, you know, our listeners and everybody involved in this can get behind it and support it and move it forward. You have our 100% support. We cherish you as a woman and as an amazing person who is really, really, you know, you don't just talk about it, you do it. And that is why you are part of the series. And we are so proud to have you on our show. And we just can't thank you enough. Hey, wait a second. Whose husband just came back from uh, Afghanistan or Iraq? Uh, my well, my husband has been deployed. He actually um, was he, still here in the U.S. Just um, he was deployed, but he is a, a fighter pilot for the United States Air Force, and I'm incredibly proud of him. Well, tell him that we love him when we support mm-hmm. our military. My husband and I, you know, I have a country club here, and I'm always doing events for them. You know, they are invited. They have an open open invitation. Um, I can't thank him enough for doing what he does. Tell him thank you and and let him know that we all appreciate and care about the freedom that they have given us. Now, I need to return freedom to uh, our animals here, but but I am so grateful to our military. I, I just I can't say enough. You know, I mean, what a great country we live in because of these men and women. Okay, oh. now you're going to make me cry. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, thank honor. you so much. And, um, you know, it's been an honor having you on our show, and I will definitely pass that message along to him and, and to all the rest of our military. You know, we, we wouldn't be here without them. We wouldn't be here without the horses. So, you know, we got to save our own people and, 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 and thank them and show them how much we support and appreciate them. And you're doing that in your own way. And um, I will be there at Mustang Monument, girl. I'm coming. Okay, when it's good. open, I'm there. <laughs> we'll invite you don't worry <laughs> well okay. thank you so much tell Tommy uh, we said hello and give him a little cookie from us <laughs> the same thing for your brood <laughs> <laughs> thanks talk yeah. to you soon thanks Madeline bye bye so I told you so <laughs> you guys did a terrific interview I, I have to so. congratulate you you did a terrific job with that interview She. I would love to meet her in person she's one of those people like Jamie said I would love to like, I would not extend my hand to the woman to shake, how do you do? I would give her a hug and yep. 
You know, even if she was not the touchy feely kind, I I would give her a hug. I get the impression she is, and she also it was kind of cute when all your dogs were going at the same time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. That just shows it's a true horse radio show when you hear it the dogs really, in the background. It really is. It really is. Um, so our thanks again to Madeline Pickens for joining Jamie and I. It was a great... Uh, I would like to thank great. her people also who helped put that together because they were really good to work with. Indeed. Indeed. And we're going to take just a minute to, uh, to talk about one of my favorite sponsors, Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products. And why are they one of my favorite sponsors? Because their products totally rock. My favorite in particular is Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns, and those are one of the many horse treats that Uncle Jimmy's produces, which are all natural. They're healthy for your horse. They're totally yummy because they're all natural. They don't have a lot of chemicals and junk in them. And the nice thing about Squeezy Buns is that they're individually wrapped, and they're soft. They're sort of chewy, so you can break them up into little pieces, and you can put meds in them <laughs> for the uh, the prankster who won't take his butte or his supplement or whatever else you have to give them. You just sneak a little bit into a squeezy bun, and the deal is done. And that's just the squeezy buns. There's Uncle Jimmy's Licky Things. There's their flagship product, Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls. And they even make treats for chickens. Yes, people. Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker. You want to find out more about this stuff? I know you do. <laughs> and the way to do that is to log on to uncle-jimmies.com and you will find out details about all the great products from Uncle Jimmy's. You know it cracks me up every time you do that commercial. I know. I love hearing I'm... you say those words. I just think <laughs> it's so funny. And you notice I give you that one every time. You love to hear me say steak. <laughs> Oh, you are so transparent. <laughs> I know I am. But that's why you love me, Helena. It is. It well, is. We want to talk. Uh, we, want, we have another interview we want to do here real quick that we, cu- we got to catch up with Chris Stafford, the host of the Jumping Dressage and Eventing Radio shows, who has a new show coming onto the Horse Radio Network that we're all very excited about. So let's talk to Chris about... Holy crap, she gets four shows? I know. Well, she invented this one, really. She came to me and said, we really need to do this, and I agreed with her. So go ahead and invent another one, and then come to me, Helena. Fine. Okay. Well, we have with us Chris, who is the host of many of our shows here on the Horse Radio Network, the eventing, dressage, and jumping show. And because she was bored and didn't have enough to do... She wanted to do another one, and this one is a little bit different than our other shows, and I think is is uh, pr- pr- adds a couple of benefits that we're going to talk about that I really like for the Horse Radio Network. So welcome to our show, Chris. Well, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Helena. This is the first time I think I've ever graced your airways on the Stable Scoop radio show, and it is a privilege since you were the first out of the gate. So I, I am honored and humbled to be in your company. Are you bowing? Well, as, as, the, as the Brits always do, we curtsy. Okay, good. Just oh, I love that. I never thought in my <laughs> lifetime I'd get that. I think I could get used to it. Chris, you want to come on next week, you too? You know what? She records on a ball, too, so if she's curtsying, she'd end up on the floor. She's not really curtsying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have something really special going on uh, or coming up, and uh, I am personally am going to be probably your first fan. What, what, tell us about what, what you've got, what this special project is. Well, thank you, Helena. Yeah, this is a brand new show called Equestrian Legends, where we're celebrating the lives of distinguished horsemen and women around the disciplines and around the world, literally, as you know. We are all over the world, and we have no excuses now not to extend beyond the three 
shows that I do the three disciplines. We're going way beyond that, Helena. We're going to be talking to the greatest uh, in you know in all walks of the horse world who have become legends. And we're doing this slightly different in that I thought you know so often when we interview people, as you know, Glenn and Helena, I interview them on the show. We talk about competitions. We talk about training issues and we just talk about the practical aspects of what they're doing today and why they're doing what they're doing today. Well, we're going to step back from that and we're going to be talking to people that have become legends in their own sport, in their own horse world. And these are of the older generation, that they're older than any of us, I would venture to say. Um, (laughs) And some are actually... um, really senior citizens. They're in their 80s and 90s. And the the legends of jumping, the legends of eventing, uh, to name just such a few, a few people will be familiar with, of course, Bill Steinkraus, multi-medalist. Ugh. I mean, just a phenomenal name in the sport. And uh, Yeah, so tell we, us about yeah. some of the others that you have lined up. Well, we have uh, Lyndon Gray, you know, his, is a very popular guest on the Dressage Radio Show. But she is really a legend in her own lifetime in the dressage world. So she's uh, one of my guests. And uh, Kathy Kusner from the world of show jumping, the era of Bill uh, Steinkraus and George Morris, of that generation. We also have uh, Denny Emerson, of course, and Jimmy Wofford. We had to have those. It was very popular from the world of eventing. And we also have um, Kay Meredith from the world of dressage. And, and, and two people that I'm particularly, particularly excited about, which I recorded recently because they are um, very close to 90. One is almost 90 and the other is 91. And that is Raimondo and Piero Dinzeo. And if you are of a certain vintage, you will remember that they were the stars of show jumping back in the 50s and 60s uh, for Italy. So I've recorded those with a, a, an old friend of mine who speaks fluent English um, because uh, the the uh, they, they had to, we had to translate. I do speak some Italian, but I I didn't want to uh, abuse their language, so we had a translator for that. And uh, they, of course, as I said, are stars. And to have them memorialized in in an, in an audio record of these people, Glenn, which which is uh, I think to your point earlier. Yeah, I think that's what excites me the most about this. You know, Helena, how you know most of these. People who Chris is right for many of them. This is the last interview they're going to do. Um, this is their swan song, and to have it at audio is much different than most of them have done, only ever done, uh, either you know print interviews, you know in writing, you know in newspapers and magazines, and they you haven't heard their voice, the inflections, and you know how it is with our shows. When you hear them talk, you get a whole different perspective. And we're going to have these audio records really as a history of the horse world. And, Chris, you were just talking about jumping and dressage in there. But we're going to go beyond that to Western, to mm-hmm. natural horsemanship, to, you know, to the real legends uh, in the horse world, no matter where they are. Absolutely. And to have access yeah. to these people that, uh, you know, scores and scores of us who will be waiting to hear what these these folks have to say we would otherwise not have access to them and it would so, go it would get lost because they'll yeah. die and we won't have their voice recorded in a in a conclusive extensive interview like chris is doing i've heard a couple of these and you know they get into their lives and and you know in some of these and i, I don't think i'm being insulting here you can hear the age in their voice i mean 
Uh, and it, that even makes it more poignant, these interviews, don't you think, Chris? I, well, I think so, because they are, you know, the senior citizens of, of the horse world. And, and as you said, we're going to get into uh, much more, way beyond the Olympic, way beyond the disciplines that I normally cover. Anyone in the horse industry it could be fox hunting, you know, in Virginia and Pennsylvania. And, and Helena, you will identify with this. There are people in the hunting fields that are marvelous horsemen and women and oh, who are yeah. still in the saddle in their 80s. And have and so much still to teach. So much still to teach and so many wonderful stories. And, and as you said, Glenn, we're going to be talking uh, to them about, about their lives, what the, the other aspects of these people that you wouldn't maybe otherwise have known. And they may not have been prepared to share that with us when they were active competitors because they were focused on their career, of course. I love it. I think it's, go- I think it's going to be a wonderful historical record i keep coming back to that but that's what it is that's what this show will will become and it is a joy to to do this because as you know i am approaching a certain vintage and some of these people were my heroines when uh, when i was growing up and the dinzeo brothers and bill steinkraus and you know these people are are, are real you know heroes well, i and don't heroines. remember any of them chris oh well <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks for reminding me of a different vintage, Glenn. Thank you. Just kidding. Over. <laughs> I'm not that far behind, Chris, so I can't say that. <laughs> now, Helena, she's a young pup. She probably, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, she, 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 I think, follows horsemanship and, and, and horse people enough to know some of these names. And, so, and, and the ring that they have to them, Helena, you know, when you mention these names, what a ring they have to them to the horse world. All right, let's oh, tell everybody I mean, about I where... think our listeners are Go lucky, ahead. are lucky that this is going to be coming out to I them. I do, too. I think it was a great idea, Chris, and, and, uh, I, and I've heard some of the shows, so I know what it's going to be like. It's out now, so people can listen at equestrianlegends.com or just go to horseradionetwork.com. You can listen over there, too. Who was your first guest? Bill Steinkraus, of course. William Steinkraus, the legend of show jumping, and uh, graced us, or graced us, well, of course, with uh, that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful interview. It was and a he, joy, to, and it was an honor to speak to. Was he the one that you told me he doesn't do interviews anymore? He does not, and it, it actually took quite a bit of persuading for him to agree to do this. So it really was a joy, and uh, I'm delighted that we have him on record now. And, and you hear aspects of his life you wouldn't otherwise have known about. All right, go over to horseradionetwork.com or go to equestrianlegends.com. You can, you can sign up to uh, download it on iTunes, just like our other shows. You can listen to it on the website. There's multiple ways that you can listen, and we encourage you to check it out. This is going to come out twice a month, um, so it's going to be like the 1st and 15th once we get on schedule here. And there will be two, two a month coming out, and, and uh, Chris is putting a lot of effort into this. So we give you applause, Chris. This was a well, good Well, thank you, idea. thank you. Well, I would, uh, if I may, just give you a pl- bigger plug to the show. It, you know, if you do follow Stable Scoop or any of the Horse Radio Network shows, please join Equestrian Legends on Facebook, too, because I would love to yep. hear back. From, and, and if you have any suggestions of legends in your area that uh, I should be considering for this new show. Yeah, and, and this is a brand new show, so we're starting out with only three people on Facebook. So, <laughs> so get on it, people. And we're a little sensitive about our Facebook followers. Yes. <laughs> so if, ever, if there's ever a, a Facebook fan page that you want to follow, Equestrian Legends is the one. After, I see. Look at that. I even I, I'm Thank sacrificing. You, no, no, no. I'm going to sacrifice Stable Scoop. Ugh. I mean, you still want to be a Stable Scoop fan. You're too darn but, easy. 
definitely. No, you know what? Because I really believe in the show. I'm really, really excited about hearing these stories and hearing what these people have to say because so much of that is lost. The evolution of horse sports, I think, in in our country, in the United States in particular, has brought some really uh, significant changes and some of them not so good. And I think some of the newer participants in the sport need to hear what the masters have to say from the masters. Couldn't say it any better than that. And now thank, I'm getting off my sofa. Thank you very much for that plug. Can we Helene? use that plug uh, to promote Definitely. the show? <laughs> Definitely. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chris. We appreciate you being on. That's equestrianlegends.com. Thank you, guys. All right, we're back, and we want to tell you about another new show. We mentioned it last week here on Stable Scoop. I just wanted to remind everybody the Driving Radio Show is now live. The website is there. You can go to drivingradioshow.com and listen to the first introductory interview that I did with my new co-host, Dr. Wendy Ying. And we also recorded for, for the next week. Next week on the Driving Radio Show will be our first official show with the guests and everything. So that'll be next week, and we're having fun with that, and I know Wendy is. We, we got to record our first show, and Wendy, my co-host, was in Paris, France. One of the guests was in the Netherlands, and Ooh. United States, and somewhere else, too. I forget where. So we had guests from all over the world on that first show. That's the power of technology. Man, you guys come out with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who we had was David Saunders, who is, was the coachman for the Queen for 20 <gasps> years. Uh, he, he actually worked at the Royal Muse, which is the stable there at Buckingham Palace, and was in charge of the Queen's carriage horses for 20 years. He, he has stories about driving the Queen around on Christmas Day. The, and the family around uh, Buckingham Palace there on Christmas Day. Oh, my God. You guys totally don't mess around. No, he was terrific. And he just went to Prince Philip's, the Queen's husband. He went to Prince Philip's 90th birthday party. He was invited because, as a friend of the family. Wow, he's 90? Yeah, Prince Philip's 90. Boy, it pays to be royalty, huh? <laughs> and he doesn't look it. He's still, he's still spunky as ever. How do I get that gig? I want to live to be 90. <laughs> So uh, he's going to tell us also about the birthday party. So we're anxious to hear that. And, of course, he is an excellent, obviously, carriage driver and knows more about driving than probably most people in the world. Yeah, you don't want to mess up when you're carrying the no. queen around. <laughs> no. So David <laughs> Saunders, he was our guest, and he's always a fun guest. So uh, that was on the Driving Radio Show as well as some other guests we had on that show as well. So join us at drivingradioshow.com. Well, we've run out of time here, Helena. We'll be back again next week at Stable Scoop. Don't forget you can find out about all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And you can find us on Facebook. Just look for Stable Scoop. We're also on Twitter at Horse Radio. And we love your feedback, so please post comments. Go to StableScoop.com and use our contact page. We'd love to hear from you. Many, many thanks to our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products. And like you said, Glenn, that is it for this week. But you know what? That was plenty. And there will be more next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>